0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Man, it's good to see you guys here today. My name is Zach. I'm the pastor here at the church, and I just want to welcome you as well uh, to our service today. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, Before we jump into the the message, um, I want to just take a minute, and I want to pray uh, for Tuesday. Um, If you've been living under a rock, you may not know, but Tuesday is election day. Um, and uh, I'm not here to make a statement about who you should vote for, who you shouldn't vote for, any that kind of stuff. What what I'm here to do really is two things. Number one is this: is I believe that we have um, a, a great opportunity and responsibility uh, to be actively involved in the governing of our. Um, of our nation and and that a vote is a very important thing. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you haven't already, to make sure and vote, but not just vote for uh, the main presidential election, but vote for the other things that matter as well and, and be informed about that. Um, and prayerfully consider what God would have you do with this opportunity. You know, we talked about commemorating Veterans Day this same week. And so often the the veterans that we are celebrating and remembering today fought for freedom that allows us to be able to have a voice. And so I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. But then the second thing really is this, is, is that on Tuesday, uh, November 8th, we get to vote. Then uh on Wednesday, November 9th, um, unless the world ends, uh, which depending on how you how you feel, some of you think it might, but um we're gonna life's gonna go on. Um and we've got to figure out how we move forward. Um and, and as followers of Jesus, we have a specific call in this world, uh, and that is to be we talked last week to have this ministry of reconciliation. Uh, where we want to make right relationships that have gone wrong. And, and Jesus said this, that, that we should be known as peacemakers. And that those who are peacemakers will be called children of God. And so we've got to move forward together. And I know especially in Christian circles, sometimes politics can divide us in a way um, that can limit our unity. Um, and so I just want to encourage you to uh, to seek unity and to move forward to seek to make peace and and really everything that we do we can stand for truth but we want to stand for truth and grace um and so through our, our social media posts our words our uh, conversations around the office our prayers um let's make that commitment to say okay regardless of what happens god's still in control and we've got to move forward, and we move forward better together, especially in the kingdom of God. And so let's just do that. So let me pray for us, um, and, uh, and then let's begin with our message today. Father God, we come today um, on this Sunday uh, really remembering, God, the importance of this week. Uh, first and foremost, God, as we share just Veterans Day, as we remember and celebrate and commemorate, God, those who have uh, served our country um, and who have shown us that great sacrifice but then God, the, the results of that sacrifice means that we live in a country that's free. And God, we get to have a, a say and, and play a role in who leads us and who governs us. And as a follower of Jesus, I think we have a responsibility to, to be actively involved. And so God, would you, um, we, we just want to come to you and say, God, we trust you. We believe, God, that you're in control. Regardless of how the election turns out, God, we've got to move forward. And we are move forward better together, especially in your family, your, your followers of Jesus, God, the church. And the, the church, not just here, but, but locally and even globally. And so, um, God, I pray that we would trust you in all things. Um, and, God, that you would take us forward and that we really would continue to remember, God, that your kingdom is most important in our life. And that your mission, God, is the greatest thing we can be about. And so, God, would you help us to do that? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, well, take out your message notes today. We are, uh, gonna continue our series called Daring Faith. If you're new this morning, we're in the midst of a 10-week season of time focusing around faith. And when we talk about faith, there's a lot of definitions, but the, the, the definition we thought we talked about at the very beginning was this, is that faith is really, it's seeing from God's point of view. Is that faith is seeing from God's point of view? It's it's us looking at the opportunities in life, the circumstances in life, the challenges, the disappointments. It's looking at every part of life um, through this lens of, of of seeing from God's point of view. And we said faith is so important because faith is the foundation for um, a life with God through Jesus. That that without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Bible tells us that, and we see that that Jesus said that according to our faith it will be done to us, that our faith plays a major role in how God blesses our life and how he uses our life. And we want to, throughout this series, become people who are more and more identified for having daring faith, For having faith that doesn't just sit back, but faith that really goes after the things of God, even to the place of stepping into the unknown, stepping into uncertainty and saying, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to see our lives from your point of view, and we want to live for you in all that we do. And so we've been in this journey in this series looking at different parts of daring faith and how we can grow in our faith with God. Um, through Jesus. And today I want to come back to something that we talked about several weeks ago. Uh, we, we looked at the Bible gives really several different metaphors and examples that we can understand when it comes to faith. And these metaphors and examples are, are important things. We talked about the, a successful athlete, uh, a successful soldier, and a successful farmer. And I want to spend some time this morning talking to you about that metaphor of the farmer, because when the Bible talks to us about faith and talks to us about generosity and, and all these different things, one of the primary metaphors and pictures the Bible uses is that of agriculture and as a farmer. And today we want to talk about planting in faith. We want to talk about God's natural law of planting and harvesting, of sowing and reaping. Because see, God created this world with, with certain realities, and certain things, and certain natural laws, and certain cycles. And one of the foundational laws of nature is this: is the law of planting and harvesting, of sowing and reaping. Look at a couple of verses. Genesis eight twenty two says this: For as long as the earth endures, there will be seed time and harvest. So from the very beginning, God said, there's going to be a natural cycle in our world of planting seed and harvesting the crops, that this sowing and reaping, this planting and harvesting is going to be a natural part of the life that we live in. But we see that as as followers of Jesus came along, they begin to see that not as just an agricultural reality, but they begin to see that reality and that law, that truth played out in every part of our life. That so often, it's not just about planting seed in the ground, but it's about what we invest in, what we commit to. That the things that we plant in our life, the things that we go after in our life, that's going to affect and bring about the harvest or the result of what those things are going to bring to our life. Look at Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Paul writes this. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now, he's not speaking to farmers in this passage. He's talking to followers of Jesus. He's saying that what you plant in your life, what you commit to, what you invest in, what you sow in life, that that will lead to the harvest, the result, what you get in return from that. And today I wanna look at these 12 laws of the harvest, 12 laws, 12 realities, 12 truths that the Bible tells us about This metaphor of faith being like planting and harvesting, sowing and reaping. And it's so foundational because this plays into every single part of our life. It plays into our finances. It's a reality for our relationships. It's really a reality for our spiritual health. It's a reality for our physical health, for our careers. And here's the big idea, the big picture, write this down. And if we're gonna live a daring faith, here's what we we need to believe. We need to believe that what I choose to plant is what I can expect to harvest. That what I choose to plant, what I choose to commit to, what I choose to invest in, what I choose to value in my life. That what I choose to plant is what I can expect to harvest. And we're going to look at 12 laws of planting and harvesting. And we're going to go through these fairly quickly today. And then I want to talk to you about how specifically throughout the Daring Faith campaign we're, we're looking to live this out. Here with us. And so write this down in your note sheet. First law is this, is that if we're going to understand planting and harvesting, how it works in our life, we need to understand that everything starts as a seed. That everything starts as a seed. Every idea, every dream, every imagination, um, every invention, every business, every, every nation, your own life starts, started as a seed. That there was a point of origination. That there was a point at which the seed was planted and the harvest is the result of that. Look at Genesis one eleven. Bible says, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came. So God in creation says, Listen, you're going to plant seeds and those seeds are going to result in the, 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 the harvest. They're going to result in the fruit. That what you plant, you can expect to harvest. What you give, you can expect to get in return. And when we talk about seed, we're gonna use the illustration of a farmer, but since most of us aren't farmers, we're not talking about the specifics of actually planting seed. We're talking about the metaphor for our life. And so here's what a seed really is. A seed is anything of value, anything that's valuable that I give away. A seed is anything valuable that I choose to give away. It can be money, it can be time, it can be good advice, it can be encouragement, it can be words, it's anything of value and potential that I choose to give away. And everything begins as a seed. Here's the second law we need to understand. Is that while everything begins as a seed, nothing happens until that seed is planted. Nothing happens until that seed is planted. You know, take for instance the metaphor of a farmer. A farmer goes to the feed store and buys seed to plant corn in his field. But how much sense would it make for the farmer to buy the bag of seed, to take the bag of seed, to put it in the barn, and leave it there because he's afraid that he won't have enough if he actually plants the seed? The seed is of no use if it just stays in the bag. Listen, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my garden in my yard is not going to bring a harvest. You want to know why? I don't plant seed right? I, I know, I know it's not going to happen. If I don't plant the seed, there's going to be no harvest. That's, the, that's the, this the reality. That if we want to realize that, that, that God wants to use something in our life, the seed has to be planted. Look at a verse here, John 12, 24. Jesus is talking about this in light of his death and resurrection and the seed of salvation that he was planting for the t- entire world. He says, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it's never more than a grain of wheat. But if it's buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. That nothing happens with a seed until it's planted. Because every seed has incredible potential. But potential never is never realized until something is done with the seed. And planting a seed is ultimately an act of faith. When the farmer plants his seed, he doesn't go and dig up that seed the next day to say, are you growing yet? Because if he did that, what would happen? It would destroy the seed, right? That planting seeds, it's a matter of faith. It's saying, God, I'm gonna take this valuable thing that you've given to me or you've called me to be about and I'm gonna put that in the ground and put that in your hands and I'm gonna trust in faith that you are the one who is gonna make that seed grow and bring the harvest. Look at Mark 4, 26 and 27. Jesus says this, that the kingdom of God is like someone who plants seed in the ground. Night and day, whether the person is asleep or awake, the seed still grows, but the person does not know how it grows. Listen, we don't always know how God is gonna bring a harvest from the seeds that we plant. But it's not our job to know how it works. It's not our job to check on it. It's our job to plant the seed in faith because nothing happens until we're willing to plant the seeds here's the third truth we need to understand is that when i have a need i should plant a seed that when i have a need i should plant a seed Uh, rick warren says it this way he says whatever you need more of in your life you need to plant in faith if you have a need plant a seed whatever you need more of in your life you need to plant that in faith See, a farmer doesn't look at a barren field and, and, get, get, and get worried and frustrated and upset because there's no crops when he hasn't planted a seed. Like the farmer doesn't look at the field and say, I don't understand why there's no results when he's never planted a seed. See, when you, when you have a need, when the farmer needs the harvest, he needs the crops, he needs the, the fruit, he needs the vegetables, whatever he's planting, when he needs the results, he recognizes he has to plant the seed. And see, so often in our life, here's the the truth that we, 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 we don't understand is that we wanna sit back and just pray about things and not do anything about it. Prayer is so important, but sometimes prayer needs to stop and production needs to happen. Sometimes we need to stop praying about something and we need to actually start doing something Listen, I think here's the reality. For some of us, we feel like we're waiting on God, but God's actually waiting on us. Because it's kind of like the farmer that looks at the the barren field and says, God, would you help my, my harvest to grow? And God says, did you plant the seed? And the farmer's like, oh no, I didn't plant the seed, but God helped my harvest to grow. And God's saying, listen, there's a natural law of planting and harvesting. If you want something to happen in your life, Yes, pray about it, but oftentimes you've got to do something about it. And so for some of us, listen, that's kind of where we are. We're not planting anything. We're just wanting God to create something in our life. But God's saying, listen, if you want me to do something in your life, it's time for you to take a step of faith. It's time for you to get involved in this. It's time for you to plant the seed of what you need. I'll make it grow. I'll bring the harvest, but you've got to step up and do something too. And it's not always just praying and praying and praying. It's praying and then doing our part. See, that's the reality of, of what it really means. We need to understand that. Look at Ecclesiastes 11.6. It says, do your planting in the morning and in the evening too. You never know whether it all will all, will all grow well or whether one planting will do better than the other. The, the Ecclesiastes is saying this, listen, is that plant seed as often as you can. Don't just plant here, don't just plant there. But if God's wanting you to do something, if you're wanting God to move, don't just say, here's one thing, I'll do this one thing, but I'm not doing anything else. You gotta plant the seed as often as you can. Listen, for some of you, you've been inviting somebody to come to church for a long time. And you're like, I give up, I'm not gonna plant the seed anymore. But maybe that next invitation, that next seed that you plant, that next prayer that you pray for them, that might be the seed that God brings the harvest through. Or maybe you're saying, you know what? This relationship, right? God, my my marriage is awful. I'm tired of trying. I don't wanna go to counseling anymore. Like, I'm just, I'm done. Well, but what if that next seed is the seed that makes the difference? See, if we have a need, we've gotta plant a seed. That's how God works. He does stuff not just for us, but he oftentimes will do stuff through us when we do the part that we need to do, to play. Fourth one is this, is whatever I plant is what I'll reap. So not only do we have this reality that everything begins as a seed and then nothing happens really until the seed's planted, that sometimes we need to to take a step of faith and plant the seed, but we need to trust and believe that whatever I plant is what I'm going to reap. Whatever I sow is what I'm gonna harvest. When a farmer plants corn, the farmer gets corn. When the farmer plants beans, the farmer gets beans. When the farmer plants blackberries, he doesn't get watermelon, right? If he does, it means the seed was mislabeled because you get what you plant. Whatever you plant, that's what you're gonna reap. Look at Galatians 6, 7. It says you will reap exactly what you plant. What are you gonna get? What you give. What are you going to harvest? What you plant. And it works both in positive and negative ways. That listen, if you want to re- if you reap the harvest of, uh, of success or the harvest of, uh, of, of positivity, the harvest of you know, hopefulness, then you need to be a person of hope, a person who's positive, a person who works hard to be successful because you're going to receive what you give. You're going to harvest what you plant, good and bad. Look at a couple examples. Job 4.8 says, people who plant trouble, harvest it. Listen, if you're tired of getting a negative result, then change what you're doing that brings you to that negative result. Listen, I know a lot of our students are, are downstairs, but, but, but maybe there's some in here. But listen, students, if you're tired of your parents getting onto you for the bad things you're doing, quit doing the bad things, right? Husbands, if you're tired of your, of your wife getting upset at you, Because of what you're doing, quit doing the bad thing, right? Because why? Because you're gonna harvest what you get. Wives, if you're tired of your husband getting upset at you for the thing that you're doing and how you're talking to him, he's probably wrong. I understand that, right? But I mean, but here's the the truth. The truth is stop doing it. It makes no sense, right? To keep doing the same things and expecting a different result. Because what you plant is what you're going to harvest, both good and bad. Look at Job four eight. People who plant trouble, harvest it. Proverbs two eight. Those who plant seeds of injustice will harvest disaster. Positive examples. Proverbs 11.8. Those who sow righteousness will reap a sure reward. Hosea 10.12. Plant good seeds of righteousness and you'll harvest my, a crop of my love. God says, listen, if you go after me, you're going to find my love. We've got to understand, listen, that That whatever I plant, that's what I'm gonna reap. And so, if I don't like what I'm harvesting, if I don't like what I'm reaping, I need to change what I'm planting. Because if you go after planting beans, you're gonna get a harvest of beans every single time. Look at number five. The other thing we need to understand is that we're not the only sower. So, in life, you're not the only farmer. That not only are you planting seeds and hoping for a harvest, there are other people who are also planting seeds. And and the seeds that they're planting don't just affect them. That the seeds that we plant and other people plant, they affect more than just our lives. They affect others. And and listen, for for some, one of the, the hard things that you're wrestling through right now is that somebody planted a seed in a negative way that is bringing a, 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 a negative harvest on your life. You know, maybe you grew up in a, in a home where you know, your parents, did they planted some bad seeds. The things that they said to you, the things that they did to you, the things that they told you about who you are and your potential, the things that they, they chose not to do for you. You're living and you're still working through some of the things that somebody else did. Because even those negative seeds they can have an effect on us. The reverse is, is that for some, listen, the seeds that you're planting, and that have been planted for you, they're bringing about a positive thing. Because see, we're not the only sower, and we need to understand that what we sow, what we plant, it doesn't just affect us. It can have a positive or a negative result on other people. Look at John four thirty eight. John, Jesus says, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. See, that's, that's the positive side is, is that for some of us, people have planted seeds that we are now getting to harvest. The, the story of River Club Church is a reality of that. that, that for, for some of you, listen, you were here from day one. You were here prior to day one. You were here at Charlotte Street and you were part of the the vision of planning River Club Church. You were part of the, the the service that began, the contemporary service that began. That eventually was the the core group that came over to to launch this church. You were part of the the, the people that gave generously of their time and of their their money and their their resources. You're you're part of that vision, and and, and so you're reaping, you're harvesting what you planted. But for so many of us in this room we are in the middle of the harvest that we had nothing to do with planting. Is that we're here today because of the faith of somebody else, because of the sacrifice of somebody else, because of the generosity that was planted by people who came before us. And see, the cool thing about that is, is that is the motivation for us to know that when it's our time to now plant, the benefit isn't just what we can experience. It's what will last in the legacy that we're going to leave. Listen, for some of you, the seeds that you're going to plant through daring faith, through our daring faith commitment and offering, or through what God's calling you to do, you're going to see some harvest. But the real harvest is going to come one day, maybe after you're gone. You know, that's what a legacy is really all about. That I, I saw this, my, my kids are, are like totally into the Hamilton soundtrack. You guys know what I'm talking about, the, the play Hamilton, right? And so like we've been listening to Hamilton in the car over and over and over again. And it's cool, but I'm kind of done with it. But there's this one line in a song that talks about legacy. And it stuck with me ever since we, we've been talking about this. He says that legacy is like planting seeds in a garden that you never get to see. That's planting in faith. That creates a harvest that maybe you don't even get to find. You don't get to fully experience it. But that's part of the, the laws of God. Is that we reap and harvest what was sown, both good and bad, from who came before us, and we do the same for others. Look at verse or number six. It says, I always reap in a different season than I sow. This is one of the realities of farming, one of the realities of sowing and reaping, harvest, planting and harvesting, is that I always harvest, I always get the result in a different season that I plant. We see this just in how agriculture works. You plant in the spring for the harvest that comes in the fall, right? You don't plant today for fruit that you're going to get this afternoon, Right? Because maturity, growth, success, all those kind of things, success—none of that happens quickly. None of it happens overnight. You know, some people look at different people in our culture and they say, "Man, they're they're an overnight success." When the reality was, no, they just became famous overnight. They're actually reaping the harvest of all the work they did before anybody knew who they were. See, fame and and, and, and acknowledgement can be instant, but success never really is. There's always a delay between when we plant and when we harvest. Look what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2. It says, for everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to plant and a time to harvest. There's a time to plant and a time to harvest. And those are always in two different seasons. Now, what would happen if a farmer plants in March For the harvest that's supposed to come, but gets frustrated by June that the harvest is not here and walks away from the field. See, sometimes if we're not careful, we can walk away from the harvest that God has for us in our lives because we're not willing to wait on his timing. And when we do, we miss out on the harvest, the result of all the seed that we've been planting. Because there's always a delay and it leads right into the next law. Number seven, I must be patient and not give up. Is that when we plant seeds, when we give to God, when we invest in certain people and relationship and our kids and our church, that sometimes and oftentimes the the harvest is not going to be an instant, immediate thing. There's going to be some delay. There's going to be some time that happens. But the question is, is am I going to persist and not give up so that I don't miss the harvest? So I think one of the things that happens so often in churches is, is this, is that people will come and they'll get involved and they'll become impatient. And they'll say, well, okay, here's the vision. Here's what we're wanting to have happen. But then between the vision and when the vision actually becomes a reality, there's often a season of time, there's a delay. And in that season of time, people get impatient and say, well, we're never gonna change the church. or It's never gonna happen. Like this isn't gonna get to where we're gonna go. And so they bail and then they miss out on what God wants to do in the harvest. See, we have to be patient. We've got to, be patient and not give up just because we planted the seed and the harvest hasn't come quite yet. Bible says it this way, Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not get tired of doing what is right for after a while we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Are you getting discouraged and given up on that seed that you've been planting, that person you've been praying for to accept Christ, that son or daughter who just doesn't seem to be making the right decisions, that promotion at work that's supposed to come but hasn't come yet, that relationship to be restored, that health need to be healed, that sickness to be healed. Like, are you, are you to the point of giving up? The danger is, is that if we give up, we might actually miss the harvest and see, we cannot give up because of number eight. Because we, I can realize the promises of God. One of which is this: is that we will always reap more than we sow. We will always reap more than we sow. The harvest is always bigger than the planting. A couple weeks ago, we uh, right before Halloween, we uh, uh, carved a pumpkin at our house and. Yeah, we, hadn't done it. we hadn't carved a pumpkin in a couple of years, and it was like the day before Halloween, and we had bought the, the pumpkin, and we were kind of like, you know what? Listen, we're, everybody sit down. It's like 9 o'clock at night. We're going to carve the pumpkin, right? We're going to do this because we've got to get it done. And so we carved the pumpkin, so we, you know, we cut off the top, and then what's next? You begin to scoop out all the insides and clean all the, the stuff out. Well, when you open it up, what do, you, what do you find inside? Seeds, right? Now, how many seeds do you find? Well, a lot right? Well, but here's the thing. The the, the pumpkin seed did not just become a pumpkin with one seed. It became a pumpkin with many seeds. Because when you plant, you always reap more than you sow. And that goes both positively and negatively. Look at Mark 4.8. It says, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Listen, we, we, we can never fully know the, the, the multitude and the, the magnitude of the harvest that can come when we choose to plant the one simple seed. We don't know down the road what that's going to look like, how that one seed becomes a pumpkin and that pumpkin has many seeds that becomes many pumpkins and it exponentially multiplies. Every seed has exponential potential. I mean, have you ever like, you know, have you ever sowed a seed with somebody? Have you ever, you know, just, you know, felt like I I just, I I need to cook a meal for this, this family who just had a baby or, you know, I I need to just, you know, pray for this person. I need to do something. It It wasn't a lot. But maybe I gave somebody a little bit of money because they needed some money. It's like you you, you do this and then you hear later on about how big of a difference that made. And and you kind of look at it and say, it was just a little thing. See, you always harvest more than you plant. You always reap more than you sow. And that's good and bad. Look at Hosea 8, 7, the Old Testament prophets talking to the, the people and he's saying, listen, If you're pursuing unrighteousness, disobedience, be careful because judgment's gonna come. Here's how he says it. He says that they sow the wind, but they reap the whirlwind. That in essence, they're they're, they're sowing the seeds of unrighteousness that is basically sowing the wind, but the result of that is they're experiencing a hurricane. Because you always reap more than you sow. Number nine, look at this, a couple more. I increase my harvest by planting more seeds. This is the law of proportion. That one of the laws of sowing and reaping, of planting and harvesting is this, is that if I want to increase my harvest, I need to plant more seed. If a farmer looks at a field and says, okay, I had this one field of, of corn, but I want twice the harvest of corn, he doesn't plant the one field of corn and say, just become two. What does he do? He plants another field of seed to grow the harvest. It's the law of proportion, Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It says, whoever sows, whoever plants sparingly can expect a harvest that is sparingly, but whoever sows generously can expect a harvest that is generous. That there's this proportional law that what we reap is in proportion to what we're willing to plant. And that's why for some of us, right, we've, we've not gotten past where we are spiritually because we keep planting seeds sparingly. We keep saying to God, God, I'll do this, but I won't do that. God, I'll commit to this, but I won't commit to that. And then we say, okay, well, why am I only getting these results? Well, it's because we're only planting those seeds. See, this law of proportion is so important for us to understand. Proverbs 11, 24 says this, The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. If you plant generously, live with big faith, God will in turn work in your life in big ways. But if you live with a little bit of faith, God's only gonna work in a little bit of ways. According to your faith, Jesus said in Mark, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Number 10, the more seed I plant, the more God will give me. One of the laws of the harvest, the more seed I plant, the more God will give to me. Now for some, that kind of rubs us the wrong way. Because we've seen people who take the the promises of God and, and misapply them as I believe to say, well, you need to give to God so that God will give to you. So you give to God so you can get a bigger house. You give to God so that you can get more money for you. You give to God so that you can have a better car. But listen, if you'll send money to this ministry, if you'll invest in this church, if you'll, you know, do this kind of stuff, then, then God will bless you for you. And see that prosperity gospel that some people call it, I don't believe is biblical. But we can't deny the truth that God will give to us more when we are generous in giving to him. That if we want more seed, then we have to plant more seed. And the more seed I plant, the more God will give to me. The the difference is, is in the motivation. See, God blesses those who are generous. Why? Because they'll continue to be generous. Why would God give more to somebody who's only gonna serve themselves? Why would God give more seed to the farmer who's not gonna share the crops with the people around him? See, God gives more seed to those who sow generously. Here's why, check this out. Second Corinthians nine ten it says, for God who gives seed to the farmer will plant and later on good crops, farmer to plant, and later on good crops to harvest and eat, will give you more and more seed to plant and will make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. So why did God give the farmer more seed? Not so the farmer could have more food to eat. It was so the farmer could give away more and more. Listen, if you wanna become more generous, then you need to be generous. If you wanna have more to give away to help people out, whether that's time, whether it's energy, whether it's talent, whether it's money, then the Bible says you need to give generously of what you currently have. Because as you give generously, as you sow the seed generously, God will in turn give you more, not for your own benefit, but so that you can in turn give more to others. See, that's how generosity exponentially grows. Number 11, two more, we'll be done. I plant by faith, not by my feelings. This one's so important. I plant by faith, not by my feelings. See, some people aren't generous because they don't feel like being generous. See, when we go by our feelings, we may or may not do the right thing. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. so, So there are some times in my life where I allow my feelings to dictate my actions instead of my faith. And when, I, when, I, when my feelings get in the way of my faith and I go with my feelings, oftentimes it'll take me in a different direction than my faith is wanting me to go. Listen, we've all been here, right? There are some, there are some times I don't feel like praying. I don't, I don't feel like praying. There are some times I get up in the morning and I'm not like, man, I can't wait to go and serve God. I would rather go back to bed, right? That's what I feel like. Listen, there's sometimes I'm kind of like, you know what? Listen, God, I just, I, I don't feel like preaching again this week. You know, I would like to have the option to sleep in. Sometimes that's how I feel. There's sometimes, not even just with faith, but it's like, God, I don't feel like working out. God, I don't feel like eating healthy. God, I don't feel like being nice to that person who was mean to me. God, I don't feel like doing these things. And the problem is if I go by my feelings, then I'm not gonna do what God says I need to do in faith. So when we plant, it's not about planning when we feel like it. It's about doing what we're supposed to do because of our faith. That when we choose to live by faith, That's when God brings the harvest. If we choose to live based upon our feelings, we may or may not ever get the harvest God has for us. But see, we've got to learn to plant by faith and not our feelings. Look at Psalm 126, 5 through 6 says, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. So when you're planting in tears, you're not feeling like planting. But when the harvest comes, what does it bring? It brings joy. They weep as they go to plant, but they sing as they return with the harvest. See, for some of us, listen, you're not feeling daring faith. You're not feeling the commitment. It's just like, I'm I'm not not feeling. I'm not feeling like this is what I, I need to do, what I wanna do. But are you letting your feelings or your faith drive your life? Because when we allow our feelings to drive our life, our feelings do not often lead to our faith. And here's the 12th and the last one. Is that the best time to plant is now. The best time to plant is now. There's no better time to plant than now, even if we don't feel like it. You know, one of the things that's kind of happened is we've been talking about this campaign and talking about... You know, just the, the the different things that have been going on, the different commitments, especially the financial commitment that we're going to talk a little bit about here in a minute, and we've been talking about you know in terms of uh, living out this daring faith. You know, I've had conversations with some people, this in all honesty, right, who are saying, Zach, this is just not this this is not a good time for me, right? You know, I I just you know I just lost my job or I had an unexpected bill. I had some people say, do we really want to? wait till after the election until we ask people to give money? Like, shouldn't we do it before the election while there's still hope for some people, right? You know? They're like, is that really good to ask people to commit for two years if they're gonna think like the world's gonna end tomorrow? Like, what, you know? Is that really good? You know, or it's like, you know what? This is just not, it's not a good time for me, you know? But, But even outside the election, or outside the election, outside the campaign, right? It's like, you know, I have conversations with people and, and I've, I've felt the same way at times where it's like, God, you know what, not now. I know you're telling me to, to do this, but now's not a good time. And you say, God, you know, one day I'll do that. One day when I'm done with this, I'll, I'll do what you're calling me to do. But here's my experience, personally and what I've seen through people, is one day has a way of never becoming today that if we are not willing to follow God today, there's no guarantee, and there's not a very good likelihood that we'll follow God one day. One of the craziest stories about Jesus is he he's calls some people to follow him. He says, follow me. And one of the men says, well, let me bury my mother and father first. And Jesus basically says, if you're not willing to follow me now, then don't follow me. And people read that and they go, oh, That's heartless. Why would Jesus say he he can't go to his father's funeral? That's not what he's saying. The reality was is that he's probably not saying my parents are, 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 they just both died and I need to go to the funeral. He's saying, not now. He said, let me go ahead and wait till my parents pass away. Maybe then I get an inheritance. Maybe then I've got some, some money aside so that I can give up this and I can go pursue that. And what Jesus is saying to him is, listen, if you're not willing to plant now, you're not going to be willing to plant then. If you're waiting for the perfect time to say yes to God, then you're going to keep waiting. Because God so often calls us to do things, not when it's the perfect time, but sometimes I think he calls us to do it when it's actually not the best time to see if we're really willing to commit to him. Look at Ecclesiastes 11.4. It says, farmers who wait for the perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. See, perfection paralyzes potential. If you're waiting for the perfect time to say yes to God, chances are you're gonna keep waiting. So we can't use our circumstances as excuses to not follow Jesus. If we want to plant in faith, the best time to plant is now. To give God what you can now. To commit to God as much as you can now. To not wait for everything to be perfect or not wait for everything to be easier. It's just to say to God, the time's now. Because he's saying, this is the time that I want you to follow me. See, these 12 laws of planting and harvesting They go to every part of our lives. And if we're really gonna be people that live with daring faith, then we've gotta gotta believe that that what we choose to plant is what we can expect to harvest. That there's there's gonna be a correlation. There's gonna be a cause and effect that the things that we commit to, the things that we go after, that's gonna be what we get. And part of daring faith is saying, are you willing to plant in faith? Are you willing to commit to the things God's calling you to investing in those things with your time, with your energy, with your passion, with your schedule? Because by doing that, God will bring a harvest in your life and through your life that is so much bigger than you could ever possibly ask or imagine. But the question is, is will you commit to planning in faith? You know, Part of daring faith is, is these, these three commitments we've been talking about since day one, is that we wanna challenge you to grow in faith. And we challenge many of you to step into small groups or to, to lead a small group or to commit to serving at the 5K or to serving over here at the Beauty for Ashes cleanup day, like, like to, to, to take a step of faith to begin to grow. And the commitment at the end of daring faith is, okay, are you willing to commit to keep doing that? For some, it's to to go in faith, to take what God's teaching you and to apply that to your life. And so, you know, it could be the serving thing. It could be, you know, living this out. All those kind of things are the commitments that you're gonna be asked to plant in faith. But but one part of that is that we're asking you to sow in faith, to plant financially in faith. And we've been talking about that. And I want to share with a couple of minutes some more details about that with you because we're two weeks away from what we're calling Commitment Sunday, It's the day that we are, as a church, going to come before God and respond to how He's challenged us and called us to sow in faith, to give in faith, to commit financially to the plans God has for our church. In your worship guide, when you came in, you should receive one of these. It's a commitment card. And we're going to have these available for you for the next several weeks because this is a journey. And I've said this before, let me say it again. At the end of the day as a pastor, I want more for you than I want from you. That yeah, there's a a part of this that we're gonna be asking you to make a financial commitment. But my bigger concern is, is for you to make the commitment that God is calling you to make in your life to follow him. So if God uses you, if he calls you, if he challenges you to be a part of these commitments, I, I wanna just ask you to be on this journey with me, with my family, with us. And so there's two commitments that we're gonna be challenging you to make, asking you to pray about making when it comes to the, the sowing in faith part, the giving in faith part of daring faith. The first one is this, is we're gonna ask you to make uh, and commit and fulfill a two-year um, above and beyond, so above your normal giving, what God requires us to give, that, that 10% tithe that hopefully we should be giving, to make and fulfill a daring faith commitment. That commitment's gonna be given to this project. It's gonna involve three things. The first is that that 10% off the top, first 10% that is given and collected through Daring Faith, we're gonna invest outside of our church. As we call the church to be generous, we're gonna be generous. We're gonna invest the first 10% into ministries and mission opportunities and organization and partners, both locally and globally, so that we can expand God's kingdom, his bigger work of what he's doing. The second part of that, the biggest part, is 80% is gonna go toward reducing our mortgage debt of $2.6 million. That in all the, the miraculous giving and the generosity that was given to, to, to create River Club Church, to, to birth this facility and to give us the, the, the things that we have, there's still $2.6 million that we owe. And we're paying half of that. And Charlotte Street is paying half of that ongoing mortgage payment. But I believe as a pastor that it's time that we aggressively say it's our time now to plant in faith. And so we want to take on the responsibility of reducing that debt down so that we can become the sole payer. So we can take on 100% of the debt for the facility that we're using. And that we can eventually pay that debt off so that we can then think about what God has next. And Charlotte Street can do the same thing. And the remaining 10% of that is just there are things around that we need to upgrade, things around that we need to fix, that we need to uh, to remodel just in our current facility. And so that two-year commitment will go to that project. The second part of the, the, the Daring Faith commitment, the second thing we're going to ask you to commit to is to our Finish Strong project. The, the Finish Strong project and offering is to help us 2016 in 2016 in a healthy way. And that's going to be on the other side of that commitment card. As we have moved out in faith, as we have taken some, some steps to do ministry and things like that, we're, there's a, a shortfall between um, where we have planned to be at this, at this part of the year to where we are at this part of the year. And we're looking at needing about $70,000 to not have to dip into our, our, our financial cash reserves, which we have, but would not like to have to dip into those so that we can begin Next year and in this year in a healthy place financially. So we can begin to live out all these things that God is birthing in us through daring faith. And so this is a commitment, a one-time offering between now and the end of the year, above and beyond your normal giving to go directly toward helping to bridge that delta. And so that's what I'm asking you to join us with as a part of this one part of the daring faith campaign. And on November 20th, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a time in our service where you and your family are gonna come and you're gonna present here to God, right, this offering and we're gonna make our commitment. And listen, I know that when you go through this process, it's not always fun, it's not always easy because there's sacrifice. But listen, it's about, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, it's about what God wants to do in your life. Because by growing your generosity, he's gonna grow your faith. It's not about what I want, it's about what he wants. And then as he does that for you, he'll do it for our church. So we've been giving you some resources in your worship guide and through our Daring Faith page on our website that you can be part of this journey and praying that God would reveal, God, what is it that I need to do? And his revelation sometimes goes beyond our reason. And so I wanna challenge you as I'm doing that, as my family, as we're doing that, to say, okay, what's our commitment gonna be? How am I gonna begin to plant in faith specifically with this opportunity? And then God, what more do you have for me? See, here's the reality. The reality is this, is that God has an incredible harvest for our lives. But we've got to realize and commit and believe that what we choose to plant is what we can expect to harvest. And so the two questions I want to leave you with as we end our time today is this. Number one: what are you planting? What are you planting? What are those things you're committing to? What are those things you're investing in? What are those things you're giving your time to? What is the seed that you're planting in your life? And the second one is this: is, what are you harvesting? What are you harvesting? And the reason why I ask it in two ways is because if you look at what you're harvesting and what you're harvesting is not what you're wanting, then you've gotta look at what you're planting and what you need to plant. But what is it that God wants to harvest in and through your life if you'll choose to plant in faith? Let's pray together. Father God, we uh, come to you in this moment, God, thanking you for who you are, believing, God, that you are God above that you're the God of the harvest you're the creator of the world and God we can choose to plant in faith because of the promises God you've given to us and God as we sing this song together in this time of response God we we come and we say God your promises can be trusted your promises can be counted on that your promises, God, are yes to us when we trust you. So God, help us to declare your promises today and reveal to us, God, those things that we need to commit to planting so God, you can bring the harvest in our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, let's stand and sing together.